Hi, welcome to That Reminds Me Of, a podcast about film and the films that remind us of that film. You're here with Baron and the Doc. And the Maestro. Do we need another drink? Yes, we do. Yeah. Baron and the Maestro, all together Doc. on Zoom. Doc. Hello. Maestro, Hello. Doc, fellas, how are you? All good. Good. Feeling well. Good. Well, this is weird. We haven't done this for a while, have we? This um, reminds me of the good old days in COVID. That's uh, when right. We were forced to zoom it, zoom it in. I believe we did one episode, Jojo Rabbit in person, and then all <laughs> hell broke loose and COVID descended upon us. And then I think we might have done almost thirty episodes on Zoom after that. Well, plus the Jojo Rabbit may have been in person, but it wasn't video recorded, so we were still audio then. So oh, you're right. Really, you're right. all of our first however many episodes were uh, Zoomies. In fact, the, probably the reason why we did video at all is because Zoom just has that record function there and we were using it for work all the time in COVID. If you remember, it was every second video was a, was a, was a Zoom recording. No, not every second. Every video was a Zoom recording. And so that's probably what kicked it all off. And guess, guess which episode we're up to now? I have no idea. We'd be pushing 70, but probably 69. 69. Yes, indeed. Mm, very yep, sexy. Episode 69. Very sexy. And today, for episode 69, we are talking about Triangle of Sadness by Ruben Osland. Just funnily, 69 divides very well into three. Um, and <laughs> we're talking about the Triangle of Sadness. <laughs> yes. And a triangle is nothing without three sides. So <laughs> we thought we'd have three sides of this conversation and bring Maestro, usually behind the scenes, into the into the frame that's correct yeah it's it it would be it would be super weird to do this on zoom but just like hide maestro's screen for the whole thing <laughs> yeah, yeah, it would be a bit strange a little rude, yeah, yeah, a bit rude as well. <laughs> um, well i'm happy to have maestro up up front though because i know too. this this film in particular we we watched it myth maestro you saw it at myth as well didn't you yes Yes, I saw yeah. Myth and I saw again two weeks ago. Wow. The plan Same had always one. been to talk about it shortly after seeing it at Myth, but you know how things go. It's quite a few months later. However, this film is at the cinemas still now. and yeah. is receiving all sorts of award buzz. So good time to go see it. And it's nominated for Best Picture at the Oscars, I believe. Yep, I think you oh, were right. right. As it should be. I- I'm just going to get straight out there and say Ruben Ostland is one of my absolute dearest favorites i love his back catalog and looking forward to this even though i saw it at MIP and i haven't seen it since so my memory's a bit sketchy and i wouldn't mind maybe someone perhaps the maestro mm. giving us an imdb synopsis just to refresh my memory yes before the uh the md synopsis uh, we i can confirm it's got three nominations one for best motion picture of the year best original screenplay and best achievement in directing beautiful so, well deserved for all three of those. Yeah, I think so. So the, the synopsis is very short. It's um, a fashion model celebrity couple join an eventful cruise cruise for the super rich. A cruise, cruise for the super for rich. The super rich. That really doesn't tell you an awful lot, does it? <laughs> Not really, because <laughs> I mean really. that's just the setup. That's just the the beginning. Yeah. Yeah. All, what makes this film interesting? Well, no, it's not true. It's all interesting. Even the early scenes of this film are, are really interesting. Mm. Um, but what makes it 
what makes you sit on the edge of your seat and get, you know, lean right forward is what comes after everyone's on the cruise. And we, we'll, we'll get into that. I just wanted to mention, Doc, you mentioned before that Ruben Oslin's a favorite of yours. That's the first thing I've written down in my notes is how many times you've mentioned Ruben Oslin <laughs> over the 69 episodes we've recorded so far. I know he's a favorite of yours. And I can say that, um, I mean, I had seen Force Majeure before and really enjoyed it. I haven't seen The Square, uh, but this as the second Ruben Austin film that I've seen just confirms what an amazing auteur, writer, director this guy is. Yeah, I've, I haven't seen his whole catalogue, mind you. I've seen Involuntary, which I reckon I've mentioned a couple of times. I've seen Force Majeure, which the rest of the world has, Yep, which is probably the best to me. Um, mm-hmm. The Square, which was hugely successful. And then this one. Um, and yep. a couple of shorts. But he's just got such a unique perspective and everything is, there's a through line through all of his work that you can just tell it's it's Ruben Ostland. Actually, I lied. There is one short of, of his that I've seen as well. It's the one where there's a bank robbery and it's just a single locked off shot of a yeah. street and the outside of a bank and you see everything play out in real time. And it's just phenomenal. What a great idea for a short. It's phenomenal. From memory, that one, like everything else, it just presents you with a situation Mm. and doesn't tell you how to think. And both the characters in the story and yourself are just wondering, you know, what are you meant to think in this? What are you meant to do if you're in there? Um, So it's very, a whole lot of sociology and psychology is explored the thing that really struck me about that film too was if you just plant a camera in a still position and watch a long thing play out a long scene play out and in particular if the camera's not moving and it's quite far away you really get this sense of just being a bystander which you don't Mm. get often in in films and and it's sort of like an you're an active bystander because that's exactly how you would see something like that play out. You would be on the other side of the road, just watching it in absolute just surprise and and wonder and and fascination, unable to walk away or, or, or look away because you need to see what happens next. So clever. Yeah, terribly clever. And that's something about this guy that you can just say full stop. Clever. Like how clever is Ruben Osland? I, I saw a couple of interviews with him and like he's he's very clever in how he talks about his work as well. But one thing that struck me was that he reminded me in his delivery of our friend the maestro. I don't know how. Oh. But when he was talking, he talks with this maybe, passion and the glint in his eye remind me of you, Maestro. Thank you. I think it's the European probably. Background. I think that it's, that it's, has um, to do. it's something to do with the northern hemisphere, probably. <laughs> Shall we get into the film? Yes. Yeah, yes. And and one thing off the bat, I'm reminded again of last episode, Baron, when you set up Avatar, an awful film, mm-hmm. um, but you set it up beautifully with the three acts, mm-hmm. uh, which I, I'd fallen asleep through half of it, so I barely noticed <laughs> the three acts of Avatar. But in yes. this film, you know, it's yes. called Triangle of Sadness. You know, everything revolves around threes and the three acts are as clear as in anything you would ever see. Like there mm. are three distinct, almost three distinct movies. So I don't know, is that some way to frame how yeah. we discuss this? It's a great way to frame it. Did you want to do that or do you or do you want me <laughs> to do it? Or what's what are you thinking? Oh, look, um, I'm very happy for someone else to do it. But, um, you know, if, if everyone falls over, I'll have a crack. Okay. 
<laughs> I think you've just Go nominated yourself. <laughs> oh, no. Okay, Act, Act One is is uh, for for those who are watching the YouTube version of the show. Um, is starts with my background here with um, what's his name? That actor, that big tall model actor, uh, Harris Dickinson. Harris Dickers, Dickinson. 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 Yeah. Dickinson. Dickinson. <laughs> very talented. by the way on that on that name dickinson there's a great film called dead man by jim jamush mm. where there's a scene that's just stuck in my head of one of the guys who's really not a fan of one of the other characters whose name is dickinson spelling it out dick in son dickinson <laughs> <laughs> so uh, me and jim have the same is yeah. that that's the the Johnny Depp um soundtrack by the Young movie? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah, very cool. Harris Dickinson, <laughs> which is very so, talented so start, guy, I think. Act one gives us gives us Harris, who's a male model, and his girlfriend, who's some sort of influencer, um, and their relationship, um, and particularly a conversation that uh, revolving around money, like they're looking at gender norms and what gender means in their relationship and all these first world problem issues surrounding their relationship that's act one we then move to them on a cruise ship uh, along with the rich and famous and there's very much an upstairs downstairs vibe where mm-hmm. you've got all the rich ones and then all the the help having to belittle themselves to the whims of of all the moneyed that's act two act three the the ship gets taken over by pirates Blah 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 blah. It ends up that a whole uh, a few of them are stranded on a deserted island after escaping the pirate ship. And on the island, the power dynamics shift completely. And the who who was downstairs is now upstairs. And there's a whole new film really about how that plays out. So there's there's the three acts, but it's like three films. And each one of them, you know, more so than most films is like a self-contained film like you could call act one a perfect short film you'd be happy yeah, yeah. if if that's what you got and some of the characters that live within one act don't appear in in any of the other acts also interesting because that's unusual so uh, woody harrelson's character for instance the captain of the ship he's exclusively an act two character mm, and what a great budget, character bu- budget related yeah <laughs> sure <laughs> they had they yeah. had like five days with Woody, and they had a they had to get it all squeezed in on this boat. <laughs> and even then, half the time it's just his voice over the PA that you hear, yeah. or through that's, or through a closed door. That's true. That's great. So one thing that's really that you've sort of mentioned is you've got the upstairs downstairs class thing going on, and that's that runs the whole way through. In that first act, what you're really getting a sense of is what beauty can do for a person in terms of moving them up social classes. That's something we don't talk about an awful lot, but it's it's something that's pretty apparent in this. And then in the second act, you've really got a sense of like, even within the crew working on the ship, there's a class or a social sort of hierarchy going on where, mm-hmm. you know, some people are just aren't allowed on deck, you know, or up upstairs at all. The poor guy in the engine room gets mistaken for a pirate later on in the film because nobody's <laughs> ever seen him before. But there is a, in the first act, we still have a, a little sense of uh, injustice. During the fashion parade, 
there are four people sitting on the first row and someone says, now you need to move because there is someone mm -hmm. more important than you, much more mm -hmm. important than you, so you need to mm -hmm. move out of the way. And uh, our uh, protagonist, one of our actors, then end up to be on the second row because they're all shifting the, the chairs. Yeah, and then absolutely. They... <laughs> yeah, that was so great. There is, a, there, there is a just a little, uh, you know, a little teasing around injustice and inequalities. We'll, we'll, we'll have you here because you're good looking, but the second someone more important comes along, <laughs> yeah. you're, you're yeah. going to get you bumped. Gotta, yeah. So should we just talk about some favorite things? Favorite bits from this film? Well, I'm, I'm interested to hear from, from the maestro. I, I know that you love this, Mir. Basically, I mean, I really like the conversation at the first act between uh, the the boyfriends around the money and the gender. And uh, the shift, I really like that, that because at the beginning, you think that he's actually a dick, basically, this guy. But then actually at the end, uh, when they sitting at the hotel, the girlfriend admits that she actually has been, she, she watched the deed on purpose. So his reaction was actually quite justified. And that was a kind of, uh, you know, uh, the first, uh, everyone has always thinking about the first impression of a person. And I quite quite like that we uh, we then forced to understand actually it wasn't that right, that wrong. And then on the, on the island, probably the, the shift of uh, the power that is happening on on the island. I feel like later we can talk about what reminded of because this is a really a reminding of an Italian movie. Ah, but, awesome. But we can we can talk about yeah. later if you like. You mentioned Act One and a couple of things on on that that the 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 power shifts and the how your allegiance goes from one character to the other. I think that's very Ruben Ostland, like wondering, you know, yeah. who who is in the right and like who to believe and how to interpret what is going on that I think that's typically him. And, and number two on that, I watched an interview just today uh, where he was describing that scene and that is purely from his life. <laughs> so that's <laughs> him and his now wife. The scene is just taken verbatim oh, from beautiful. his life. That's I don't know if it's beautiful or not. I usually hate that sort of crap. Uh, to be honest, but but that's that's where it came from. Um, in hindsight, that makes me feel that maybe it's a bit of a like it could have been a short film, like you said, Baron. And mm. you know, does it even belong in this film? That's a great call because mm. while I love that scene and I and I love that that part of the first act, I had the same feeling. I had a real sense when I came out of the film. I think I even said this to Edith. You could lose that. Mm. You could you could start on the boat and this film would still be great. You could lose that whole first act and this film would still be great because you still actually have a first act if you start on the boat. It's just that you've, it's sort of extended by those early scenes where you get to know, what are their names? Carl and Yaya. So, yeah. And they're, they're not even really the main characters. It, it really is an ensemble piece. Like you don't get a sense that those two are actually the protagonists throughout the film, even though they come in and out of importance. Yeah, I had a real sense you could lose it, but I'm happy it's in there. It's fun. Isn't that funny? Yeah, I agree. I reckon you could and probably should lose it. It doesn't mm. really fit. And the boat could be act one and two easily. You would have um, a tighter film. You would have a tighter film if that's what you did, I think. And actually, it would change the structure a little bit. It'd feel a little bit different in that, yeah, you would probably have the destruction of the boat would be your midpoint. Um, and maybe it still is, although it just sort of feels like it comes later in the story with that extended first act. Mm. I 
sort of loved almost every scene of this film. I think mm-hmm. uh, it just it what he presents is it's this ongoing conflict of interesting characters that you kind of like, you kind of hate, or you very much hate. Uh, it's it's always a spectrum of of like love hate, um, and understanding and loathing at the same time. Uh, uh, you know, kind of feeling jealous of what they where what they have and what they're doing, but also thinking it's disgusting and you know how 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 awful it, it, it's. He's presenting the 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 nuance of all of these things that come with wealth. Do we want to just pause on the fact that Charlie Dean passed away late last year? I didn't know this. Really? So, oh, yeah. Yes. So a lot of the um, I've just been watching today some of the interviews at various festivals by the cast and. Most of them are kind of honouring her. Like she was only 32 and died oh suddenly. Yeah. So yeah. Um, this is... I had no idea. Yeah, this is clearly... She was, she was great in it. She was and good acting. Yeah, this, this is a, a, a big film, so kind of a fitting swan song to her career, I suppose. That's a shame. A bit dark, but... It is. No, I, I had no idea and I was interested to watch her career from here. That's, mm. that, that is a shame. While we're talking about actors, we've we've talked about Harry uh, Harris Dickinson and and Charlie Dean. The other real standout in this is Dolly De Leon. She plays one of the, she plays the cleaning lady, the head of the cleaning team. I think she is that lives below decks. Um, no, she's she's the head of the toilet cleaning. The toilet team. cleaning, specifically the <laughs> toilet yeah, cleaning. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. When it all goes to hell, when the boat sinks into the ocean and and our small group of survivors end up on a on an island, she's one of them. And massive spoiler alert here: she just rises to the to the leader of this little group of people instantly because she's the only one that knows how to do anything, how to start a fire, how to how to catch food. It's quite amazing. This, I think, was one of the absolutely brilliant things about this film was what happens when they get to the island. I just love how all these wealthy people that you've seen be doted on turn out to be complete babies. They don't know how to do anything for themselves. By the time they get to the island is when you think the film's probably due to finish and you've loved it. Yeah. But then all of a sudden there's this third act and really the third act, that is the film. Like that is, Mm. you, you you could almost get rid of the whole rest of it in a way. That is the crux of the film, that last bit. And and she's great. Filipino actress. She's amazing. She's amazing because, you know, she she fits the stereotype of that just so easily dismissed kind of working class person <laughs> that you think will, you know, just just quietly go on her way. But then when she gets in this situation and she realizes very astutely that the, the tables have turned, boy, does she jump into that position of power so quickly and just like with such confidence. It's just beautiful. Such a great role. And power <laughs> corrupts, yeah? Yeah, totally. Power corrupts. Doesn't... Like she's no longer the likable little toilet cleaner. She um, abuses her power as much as anyone else. However, I like her so much more for it. Yeah, true. <laughs> <laughs> because what Ruben Austin sets up so well is that is how unlikable all these other characters are. And so the comeuppance is beautiful. To see the tables turned on them is just wonderful. He's very rightly sort of read the temperature of the world right now and just just knows that people are fed up. Mm. They're, they're fed up with the with the top 1%. They kind of want to see them all get their comeuppance. And that's exactly what you get. The only um, thing I'd say on that is that his, his last couple of films, and I've, I've heard this opinion 
and some of the reviews I've listened to just today, try, trying to remind myself what the film's about. <laughs> um, but some of the last couple of films dealt with sort of cutting down some other types of people, like um, art curators and some some less obvious mm. bad guys, whereas this one sort of took a swipe at, you know, people that we all think mm. are wankers anyway, like the top 1%. So that, that was a criticism of the film, and it's probably fair enough. It's a pretty easy target to go for Russian oligarchs and, and weapon dealers. Yeah, it worked because the Russian oligarchs rep- represent the communists, communists, and communists should be everyone on the same level, while people then, there are people that became very rich at the right time when when the, the opportunity came up. So um, I think that that was like, uh, like also demonstrated that when you have the opportunity, you take advantage of it. Especially with Woody, Woody Harrelson's character blasting off Mark's in, into the PA system <laughs> while the whole ship's going down. I had a quote from um, Ruben Austin that I jotted down and he just said, successful people are often very socially skilled. Otherwise they wouldn't be so successful. There's an ongoing myth that successful people and rich people are, are horrible, but it's reductive. I wanted the sweet old English couple to be the most sympathetic characters in the film. They are nice and respectful to everyone. They just happen to have made their money on landmines and hand grenades. <laughs> it's probably a more accurate description of the world, of what the world looks like. So I think he was attempting while using some stereotypes to to make a comment on the character of these people as well. Should we move quickly to reminds me of that might um, allow us to explore some yes. other things? Yeah. Please. Yes. Let's do it. Uh, Who wants to kick it I'm, off? I'm keen to hear Maestro's Italian film. Well, the thing is that I rewatched recently. It's on YouTube, YouTube for uh, the entire movie. Unfortunately, it's not with subtitle because I would really suggest to see this movie. Triangle of Sadness, it's exactly the same. This movie was done in 1974. The director was Lina Vertimuller. She was the first di- female director to be uh, nominated at the Oscar, but for another movie, for uh, Seven Beauty. This movie, it's called Swept Away. This director, actually, it's uh, she always does movies with long title. The title of the movie is very long. So this one was, in English, Swept Away, dot, 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 by an unusual destiny in the Blue Sea of August. In Italian, was Travolti da un insolito destino nell'azzurro mare di agosto. <laughs> which, sorry, which, I missed just the second half of that. <laughs> which uh, was in 1974, and uh, we're talking about just after the the boom, economic boom in the 60s. All right, and um, and uh, with the rich boom, basically start a bit of differences between in Italy between north and south. So the same situation of inequality was in this movie. The Italian one, but very located in Italy and between north the rich and south the poor. And we are in a boat. We have the the North Italians on the boat. There, was, there is this lady, and, um, the, the actress was Mariangela Merato. And uh, the poor one, the one that lives on, under the boat, was Giancarlo Giannini uh, that did a few American movies as well, like also the 007. And then for a destiny, they end up on a little boat because they were trying to reach their friends in the evening. This little boat, uh, the engine broke, 
So they stranded in the middle of the Mediterranean Sea, and they at the end end up on this desert island. And wow. that's when, and that's when uh, the uh, the uh, South so the guy Giancarlo Giannini realized that the power can flip. He was able to find food. He was able to turn on the fire. Mm. And uh, and then she was like, uh, pray him to help her out. Power flipped in a way that it's an Italian way to describe things. He started to slap her in the face. And for each slap, he counted what the North people did to the Italians and South. Oh, wow. So one, one, one slap, this is for the oranges that you burn and destroy to make the price of the oranges and lemon inflation slap her in the face and this is for the taxes that you don't pay and you destroy the south of italy by doing that it's so much violence and then he stopped and he said no actually i want you to desire me oh man and, <laughs> yeah so because <laughs> that moment and that's when in america probably they they misunderstand the, the meaning of the movie that was like a gender-based power of men etc basically he took over her see she's basically completely subdued half an hour later she fall completely in love for him and the rest of this movie towards almost the end it's an incredible passionate relationship between the two they just love each other so much that when finally they see an boat on the horizon they almost say, ah, please don't call this boat. Let's stay here, you know? And, and he actually said, no, I want to call this boat because I want to see if your love is real. Without <laughs> wow. under- so and many parallels. So it's many pals. So, Aside from yeah. the sort of the, the raping and slapping. Slapping, that's a bit, exactly. Like a bit in this day and age, that wouldn't play so well. But It wouldn't play, else. but it's completely mm. the same. It, it is completely the same. The conversation about rich and poor, this inequality, it's all, mm. it's all there. And the wow. scenario, the scenario, both stranded in an island, flipped mm. over power, a change of power. You have to wonder if 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 Ruben Oslin was aware of that film. It's, there's a lot, a lot of parallels there. Alina Vertimuller, it's quite an achieved and very popular director. She passed away a few years ago. Yeah, and a, and and a female director working with that kind of um, material yeah. is interesting too. It is really really interesting. Well, I'm gonna get come right out there and say that that's gonna trump any reminds me of that either myself <laughs> or Baron come up with. I think you're right. Uh, I think that's a that's it, a ripper. It's certainly better than my sort of flippant ones. Even so, we should have a crack baron yeah let's do it i sort of have a couple themes i suppose one is just to name right off the top is that ruben oslin's work really reminds me of thomas vinterberg's work which i think every time we've seen a vinterberg film has prompted a ruben oslin (laughs) reminds me of right but i think it's worth mentioning that films i mean i haven't seen all of vinterberg's films at all he's made a lot of stuff another round we talked about on this podcast and the hunt we talked about when we talked about another round and i think both of those are good just in themselves reminds me of for this film i knew oslin before vinterberg but when we started when we saw another round and i realized that was the same guy that did the hunt yeah and then i started to get the same feels totally oslin I, I completely agree with you they just at a this European thing mm. that they've they've got going that just is yeah. you know looks more at the human condition and the you know micro moments than we do in they can make the... something huge of the smallest interaction mm. uh, it's 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 quite beautiful mm. and it's something you you're right you don't really see that in um, Australian American cinema in particular it's like yeah. a new movement it's starting in Northern Europe the other reminds me of I had was just 
Korean cinema, which you know I love, but the whole class thing is you know, yeah. an ongoing huge dis- part of Korean filmmaking. Parasite, Snowpiercer, mm. Squid Game are just sort of three recent examples that really work on that level of class when the lower classes clash with the higher classes and, and what, what, what happens when that uprising occurs or, or when the lower class become the, up, the upper class basically. correct when the tables are turned you know That's, yeah yeah totally. and they, everything they hate about the upper class they just behave the same way mm-hmm. at the end of the day they they get thrown in this behavior yeah mm-hmm. very interesting and you know in this film in particular there's all the smart intelligent commentary about the upper class and the wealthy and the top one percent but then there's just this wonderful prolonged gratuitously gross and and almost gutter humor that just is when you see the wealthy with all of their beautiful clothes and their fine dining and so on get hit with just extreme seasickness and (laughs) and you get a good it's got to be 10 straight minutes i reckon of just them vomiting and being tossed from one end of of the cabin to the next being seen (laughs) in like complete disarray and just their absolute lowest base human form that was an exceptional piece of cinema wasn't it Um, (laughs) It really is and i love that he doesn't he doesn't let go doesn't let off like he just holds it plays it super long and exaggerate everything, everything, like the vomit coming out from the toilet. It's just like yeah. maximize the moment as much as you can. That's... It's kind of like, it kind of reminded me of, you know, like a symphony orchestra that that just slowly <laughs> is building to a giant climax. Yeah. Like it yeah. has just little signs of things aren't well then one person vomits, then another, then the next thing they're all vomiting and then they're all staggering through the hallways. All of their own excrement is exploding out of the toilet <laughs> and they're getting covered in it. Like it's, it's beautiful. It's, it, is, it is interesting because rewatching the movie, there is a moment when uh, they actually ask the captain if he wants to keep going doing the, uh, the dinner on a Thursday night because mm. they say actually yeah. the weather is going to be. And he said, yeah, yeah, no worry about it. He so I, I, I doesn't care. I, you don't even, I don't, don't know. Maybe it was premeditated, you know, it's something like that. Ah, uh, no. Well, that's an interesting yeah. read. I, yeah. I just took it as that this is a guy who does not care, <laughs> not care. at all. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and this, this, um, this poster art I've got behind me is actually taken from the film. And they... <laughs> If you can see, if you're watching on YouTube, they've actually replaced yeah. the vomit that's coming out of her mouth with like mm. it's gold on this art. Mm. Pretty beautiful. Which it is. Mm. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah. Oh, one other thing just on this theme of um, the classes that this bit in particular reminded me of with the dinner. I had two. I had the menu, the new Ray Fiennes film. I don't know if it is. Ah, uh, yes. That. I saw mm. that recently. Very similar. Uh, you know, while I have some issues with the men- with the menu, there are some things in there that are really great. And this this reminded me of that. And then the Hunger Games, to a degree, there's actually a reference in the Hunger Games where they sort of reference that Roman, I don't know if it's even real or if it's a myth, but that the wealthy would eat really expensive, rich foods and then go and vomit so that they could go back and eat more. That was part of the evening. Yeah, I heard about it. (laughs) (laughs) I think the reason it feels like a symphony to you too is that it's just so perfectly choreographed within an inch of its life mm, is that yeah. and the setup i think they through the whole shoot for days on end you know they were rocking oh the whole yeah, the whole thing. thing so i think i think the, like the whole uh, set was on hydraulics so they were actually feeling all those movements yes so i think yeah, a lot wow. of it was was probably you know partially 
realistic. I do have some more reminds me else, but I'll throw to you, Doc. I've got so many, but none that are not none that are really deep, but probably the most stupid is Act One remind me of Zoolander, you know, when the um <laughs> Please with, explain. With, with, no, when with the, <laughs> oh, the male actors yes, no, kind of sense. really focusing on their looks and how they that walk great. And, and all of that. They're all sort blue stealing right there. Yeah. <laughs> all blue stealing. Um and then the the scene on the boat, this seems obvious, but it really did remind me of the love boat, the like the old seventies TV show, <laughs> yeah. uh, which was very much focusing on both the staff and the guests mm. and intermingling between them and the relationships between them. Uh, that just feels like the biggest influence on that on on the setup of that scene to me. Sure. No, I um, can see that. Yeah. And and then I guess it becomes it soon becomes the Titanic when things yep. go out of control and then things like Downton Abbey just with upstairs, downstairs. Sure. There's a couple from me. I've probably got some for the act three, but yeah. I'll let you guys have another I was about first. to jump into Act 3 as well. You're on the island. You can't walk past the Lord of the Flies. Just yeah. an obvious reference right there. Uh, and a show that I've just started watching, which I think there's at least three seasons, maybe two or three, Ye- Yellow Jackets. I don't know if you've seen that or heard of it. No. It's, uh, I think it's a- Kevin Costner. No. Oh, no, that, yes, Yellow That's Stone. a Yellowstone. That's a Yellowstone. Yeah. Yellowstone. <laughs> yeah, no, Yellow Jackets is kind of similar. It's It's sort of a cross between Lord of the Flies and Alive. So you've got a, a a girls' soccer team, all high school students crash in the, the middle of the wilderness somewhere, and then they go all tribal. Both of those made me think of it. And also there's something in Yellow Jackets, I'm still early on, but you're getting a sense that some of the characters that were kind of the nerds that nobody liked or were not popular at all were actually the ones that were at Girl Scouts learning how to make fires and do first aid and some, things like that. So you know, tables flipped that way. And then I had one that popped into my head that I was really reminded of. I don't know if you've ever read any Eugene O'Neill, any of his plays. Yeah. He's got this one act play called Thirst that I just randomly read some years back. And it's it's about a group of people that have come off of a cruise ship that sunk and they've ended up in a single life raft together. And the whole play takes place in the life raft. And I think they're either in... I can't remember if in the Mediterranean or the Caribbean, but there's someplace hot and they're, they're slowly getting thirstier and thirstier. And, and on this boat, you've got some wealth, a couple, like one or two wealthy people, some of, some of the crew and some of the, like the service staff on there. And they're, they're all, you know, arguing. It's been a little while since I've read it, but it really reminded me of the situation you end up with in this film. Many things so you talk talk about arguing when they are at the island. Yes, there is a bit of argument, but there is also a bit of a laugh and laugh. Yes, also, yeah. there, there, there is like uh, then even bonding moments when, especially when they uh, when the boy they they use the whistle to call the boy and when when he should yeah. go back to the boat with the, <laughs> with, the, with the lady. So there are it is interesting, but there are also really like like moment like yeah. it make you think but it's uh, it's really light the way it make you think mm. i agree the fact that he keeps it so that you can laugh mm. it, it doesn't get too d- deep and dark at, yeah. at any given point yeah what, Actually, what you both said then reminds me of gilligan's island because they, yeah. they were stranded and they had the the millionaire and his wife and the yes. movie star and the professor and all these different people in different you know uh classes and to see how that plays out you know, in a deserted island setting is 
little similar. The the totally. end results are a bit different, but yeah, yeah, that's right. I think they 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 some they sort of maintain their their existing social structure, don't they? Or they attempt to. Yeah. In Gilligan's yeah, Island, they do. Which probably has probably doesn't make a lot of sense, honestly. This is this well, feels truer. Well, but try they tried in this movie too. The lady, the lady from the the one that was coordinating the boat, she tried mm. to to exercise her power, but then uh, it was immediately clear that you she can't do it. Didn't she? Yeah, <laughs> immediately because she dominated nobody... swiftly and effectively. <laughs> yeah. So we're saying that this film is in conversation with Gilligan's Island. Yes. Yes. Absolutely. <laughs> Doc, any third act? references peeps i thought of lost mm-hmm. briefly i thought yep. of m night um Shyamalan's, um old. uh latest old yep um i thought of indecent proposal remember that film back in the <laughs> yeah, yeah, 80s yeah, or that, 90s that, that, um, that, that, that yeah, yeah. <laughs> is that a million dollars for a night with your wife is that was that the <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, deal? yeah Rob, was yeah. it robert redford maybe robert Redford, i think yeah oh, yeah yeah a million yeah. dollars for a night with your uh, with your wife so that felt very similar <laughs> to, to dolly um getting favors from from dickinson uh I- I and love then, the way Dickinson says, I love you, you give me food. It's beautiful. <laughs> it is beautiful. And the last one for me was The Beach, Alex Garland. Um, mm, slash, who, oh, wrote, who, who directed uh, the film again? Um, Danny Boyle. Danny Boyle, of course, your mate. Yeah, yeah particularly the um, but the ending is quite mysterious of this film and the what I think we end on from memory was Dickinson running through the yeah. jungle. Yeah. Yeah, so mysterious. Particular... Yes. Yeah, but that well, that reminded me very much of Leonardo DiCaprio in in the beach, kind of going a bit, yeah. you know, loco. Totally. totally. I think. Look, it's funny. My, my I went to see the movie again with my lovely wife, and she interpreted that he started running because he hear the the girlfriend screaming. Let's actually talk about the ending quickly, because mm. so spoiler alert for everyone, we're gonna get right into the very ending of this film, <laughs> but. Just to go, just to just give it a quick little beat by beat. We've got Yaya, the girlfriend, supermodel kind of influencer girlfriend, has gone for a walk with what's the character? Is it Dolly? No, Abigail. The Abigail. Dolly's the actor. Yeah. Abigail's the character, and she's the one who's who was the to- head of the toilet cleaning department is now running yeah. the whole the whole show. They've gone off and for a walk to explore the other side of the mountains and discovered that there was a resort there the whole time and they're actually (laughs) not on an island and they could have been saved probably a lot earlier. And then um, Abigail goes off and while while Yaya's turned, grabs a big ass rock and you, you just start sneaking towards her and you're thinking, wait, is she about to club her on the head so that she can maintain their little kingdom that they've created? Hmm. And then you don't see where how that plays out and it just hard cuts to the boyfriend carl dickinson running full pelt through the jungle mm. it's quite I, I found the ending particularly that last shot of him running a little disappointing i i wasn't into it well, I, Ooh, like I, it. Found it in, I found Beautiful. it invigorating did you Beautiful. Beautiful. you liked yeah. it too yeah i just didn't need that i was happy with it ending on us not knowing if abigail was going to club yeah yeah or not the carl running just threw a put a massive quest extra question mark in there that i didn't feel like i needed that's interesting so you you were both okay with it yeah 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 i don't know why that is uh 
the entire movie, he, 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 I think it's a quite a dramatic movie, but you don't feel mm. that. I think that last scene, it gives you actually the drama that the movie that says mm. that this is a dramatic movie. They, they give all the drama you haven't seen or, or per, um, perceived during the movie. It's in that final scene. Um, when you say said, final scene, do you mean that final? Him running. Just him, him running, running. Running. But yeah. also, it's like he's, he's getting slapped in the face all the time because it it, it, it goes through the uh, leaves of and it scratches his face, etc. So, um, I don't know. There, there is something that find out that actually I quite like it. Interesting you know, that, a... that, you, that one read um, that your wife had, Maestro, was that it was he... Carl heard something. And My read it, on it was that he just suddenly it just suddenly occurred to him that, that 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 um Abigail might be taking her his hmm. girlfriend out there. To that was kill my that, that was my take on too. I was thinking mm. that he finally realized that that work they're doing together is he, he, his girlfriend is in danger. She's in the way. Yeah. Essentially. Yeah. yeah. Hmm. Given his arc, it could equally be you know that he's worried for Abigail. <laughs> <laughs> That's yeah. true. That's yeah. true. Um, but could go either It's really way. just the just the freneticism, and I think it just plays on your emotions. And a, a good way to finish the film with a sense of you know your adrenaline, you know, pumping. So that, that's all it does for me. I just, I just think it's it obviously adds a hundred different permutations of possibilities, but it just has you finish on in a state of high emotion i just wonder if that shot was debated because you know i would have fought for cutting it personally mm -hmm. and and i and i wonder how that all played out well i uh, think i think we've explored the all three sides of of triangle of sadness <laughs> other than the fact other than the just a little bit of trivia that i find it a little bit odd that his last two films have both been shapes like he had the square and mm. now the triangle so uh, I'm looking forward to the octagon of melancholy. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys, so good chatting with you, even over Zoom. Prefer it in the studio, which we will get back to on the next episode for sure. Episode 70 of whatever it is we decide to do. Can't wait to be back in the studio, gentlemen. See you, guys. See ya. Bye. Bye.